Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now, we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Welcome to the Balanced Black Girl Podcast. We're putting black girl magic in motion. This show is dedicated to reinventing wellness for women of color. I'm your host, Lestrandra Alfred. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Balanced Black Girl Podcast. I'm so happy to have you here joining me today for another wonderful interview. But before we jump into today's interview, I wanted to start with the review of the week. It says... I'm a junior in college and have decided to really improve my health. I've been listening to other wellness podcasts, which have been great and was searching for a new one. On some random list, this podcast was recommended and my life was changed. It's nice to hear about wellness from a black girl because the space is so white. It's nice to notice that many black girls across the country also feel like this and there is a community. Keep up the good work. This podcast is honestly so important. So thank you so much for this amazing review. I think what kind of touches me the most about that review is that she mentioned that she was a junior in college. And for me, that was actually back when I first started getting interested in health, wellness, fitness, nutrition, uh, when I was between my junior and senior year of college. And I know for me, becoming interested in wellness at that critical age in my life has been so important because I don't really know adulthood without having an interest in wellness. And I am so honored that this show is a part of her wellness journey at that age because it's so, so important. And I'm so happy that she now gets to see role models in wellness who look more like her because for me... 10 years ago when I was a junior in college, that wasn't necessarily the case. And so thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for this wonderful review. If you have not yet left a rating and review for the Balanced Black Girl podcast on iTunes, please do so. I know I say it every week, but it really, really helps. It helps iTunes show the show to more people, which helps us grow the community, which helps us diversify the wellness space. So really, really appreciate you leaving your reviews. Also, last announcement before we get into today's interview is that if you haven't already, I highly, highly encourage you to sign up for our newsletter. So every week we publish the Balanced Black Girl newsletter every Tuesday, and it's actually something that we put a lot of work into, and I don't know why I haven't talked about it more. 
So every Tuesday, I send out a newsletter where you get first dibs on the new episodes of the podcast, as well as curated pieces about wellness that apply to diverse audiences. So we comb the internet every week looking for the best wellness information around fitness, mindfulness. We find home workouts, yoga tips. I mean, everything that you could think of that's happening in the diverse world of wellness right in your inbox so that you don't have to go looking for those things. We do it for you. So you can subscribe to the newsletter at balanceblackgirl.com slash subscribe Or I have that linked in the show notes so that you can just go directly to our subscription page from the show notes. So without further ado, I'm really, really excited for today's interview. Today I interviewed Milan Durham, who is the founder of Cultured Kombucha. And Cultured Kombucha, as you'll learn all about in this episode, is just such a cool brand. I found Cultured Kombucha on Instagram last year, back in 2018, and Even though it's DC-based and is very local, I just immediately connected with the branding and the mission and was so excited to see the work that Milan and her team were doing that I have followed immediately and have followed ever since because I just felt so connected to her brand and to her mission. And we had such a great conversation about her company, but as well about nutrition and access and diversity in the kombucha space, which is something that's really, really interesting and probably not something that a lot of people think about. I had so much fun talking to her and I really hope you enjoy the interview. So without further ado, let's jump into the show. Welcome back to the Balanced Black Girl podcast. Today we're talking to Milan Durham. With a background in architecture and a love of wellness, Milan built Cultured Kombucha. Cultured Kombucha is really the story of one woman looking to effect positive change in minority communities through driving awareness to internal health and wellness. Milan strives to make the health and wellness scene in the district more diverse, one fizzy bottle at a time. Welcome to the show, Milan. Hi, Les. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to have you on the show because I have been following Cultured Kombucha on Instagram for a while. That was how I found Cultured Kombucha. And I'm like clear on the other side of the country in the other Washington. But I <laughs> I just connected with your message and your mission so much and was like, I'm nowhere near it, but I want to follow and support it anyway. So, oh, thank you. Yeah. So I'm so excited to have you on the show. Um, so for listeners who may not be familiar with Cultured Kombucha, can you tell us a little bit um, what inspired you to create the space, how you entered into the kombucha space and the mission behind what you're doing? Yeah. Um, so I guess I'll start with where I started. Um, I was actually out in the Pacific Northwest when I first had kombucha. I was in Portland. Um, a friend asked me if we'd ever if I'd ever tried it. And I said, no. And she was like, okay, it's got, it's got a weird taste. You might, some people don't like it. And so she gave me enough qualifiers that I went in skeptical. Um, and I tried it and I did like it. It turns out I love all things vinegar based. Um, all brands don't taste super vinegary, but I love anything with vinegar. So I wasn't off put uh, about anything to do with it. Um, years later, after spending many, many, many of my coins on kombucha, I was like, I should figure out how to make this on my own. So I did. I went to a class in DC and figured out fermentation 101 and I started brewing at home. And it was, it was really great from the start. Like the first bottle was delicious. Like it's, I I haven't had too many misses. I have had some, but 
not too many. Um, anybody I let try it then would say, this is really good. You should, you should sell it. And I thought that, um, it would, it would just be a small thing. Like maybe I might just, uh, get an LLC, go, go sell it at farmer's markets and it would, you know, be relatively minor. Um, but the more I brewed it, the more I realized not many people who looked like me knew what it was. Um, and that's black people. Almost no black people knew what kombucha was. They weren't drinking it. They weren't really aware of probiotics um, as something that they needed to incorporate into their diet. And with black and minority communities having the most diet exacerbated illnesses, sicknesses, diseases, I thought it was crazy that they didn't know what this was. Um, so I took much of a swing towards where I thought my kombucha brewing would go. I thought I would just go to the farmer's markets and sell to the audience that already knew what it was and already wanted it. And then, um, the mission came along, the mission came along a little later that I was like, no, I should, I should take a different approach with this because there are people who need it more that don't really know what it is. I love that. I love that. I love that. And I also think it's, that's great that you, uh, tried kombucha for the first time in the Pacific Northwest. So it yeah. all, which is where I'm at, it all comes yep. together. <laughs> Um, it's that, much bigger out there than over here. Yeah, yeah. I could, I can believe it. I can believe it. Um, but you know, with the work you're doing, it's that's going to change. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that kind of leads me right into my next question: is you know, a topic that I'm really passionate about and talk a lot about on this show is accessibility and wellness, particularly accessibility to healthy foods, healthy products for people of color, uh, for people who may be in lower income communities. And with Culture Kombucha, that's a major focus for you as well. So can you tell us a little bit more about some of the things you do to make Culture Kombucha uh, accessible to more people? Yeah. Um, one thing I've recently started saying to explain our model a little bit is that we're city nomads. Um, we have been picked up at a few smaller grocery stores in D.C. Well, um, yeah, a few of them. And that's nice, but they're they're in the areas where people would be expecting to find kombucha, which mm -hmm. is fine. Mm -hmm. um, so I pop up at a ton of events uh, everywhere, southeast, northeast, like all, all over the city, indoor events, outdoor events, creative events, wellness events, fitness events, yoga events. Like I pop up everywhere um, because there's usually a little bit of an opportunity for intersection. Like some people might like tea and know of tea, but they don't think of kombucha. Some people might be trying to focus a little bit more on wellness. And so they're going to some sort of an event, but they haven't thought about internal wellness. Like it's more spiritual or so I find little, little points of entryway um, in hopes of finding some overlap and getting it in front of more people. And also just around the location in the city too. Uh, it may be one city, but Traffic is terrible here, just as it is in every large metropolitan city. And it's funny, like I'll go to DuPont, people will be like, "No, I'm not. I'm not coming until you go like downtown or some something." So, I mean, you really have to bring it right into people's backyards for them to give it a try. Um, so, I try to get in front of people a number of different ways, either through location or through other events where I think people might be willing to try it. Yeah, that's awesome, and I think what what else is so powerful about that is kind of that personal touch where you can talk to people about kombucha or about the product, which I think is probably so much more meaningful than maybe just seeing something on a shelf and not knowing what it's about, right? Yeah, no, that's it's that's exactly right. It's completely pivotal, the face to face interaction. Like, I, it, if you don't meet me or talk to me or see it or sample it, 
it's just another bottle on the shelf. You you wouldn't know anything about cultured from anything else unless you were following along on social and saw it somewhere. But people who try it uh, for the first time, usually I, I like to talk to people about it. And like mm-hmm. I have long conversations about it. I was just at the kitchen all day today. Um, and a woman there, she, was, she just started today. Um, and she was one of the maintenance staff and she saw me making it. And if anybody who knows how it's made, I was kind of um, – handling the scobies and setting up the tea and she looked horrified and she was like what is that and I said well this is scoby and she said what 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 are you doing with that you eat that and I said well no you don't eat scoby and she she asked um she asked a ton of questions like what do you mean it's living well what's (laughs) in it what does it taste like well what and she just I mean, she became more and more interested in her horrified look, got a little more curious. And she she was like, well, is it like that um, that vinegar that people take shots of? And I said, well, apple cider vinegar. Some people think it has some notes of that, but I don't really think so. And so, I mean, I got her curious enough. I was at the first stage of ferment, so it wasn't ready. But I said, well, you're going to try some later. And she said, maybe just a little bit. But if if you don't talk to people about it, it's just just anything else that they don't know. And they're probably just going to keep walking past it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we mentioned it in your intro uh, that you actually have a background in architecture, which is really cool. And I would love to hear more about kind of how that's played into how you operate cultured kombucha. Yeah, um, (laughs) it's funny that that would be my background. Um, And I actually still operate in that field full time. Mm -hmm. Um, I have two full time jobs. Cultured is far more than a part-time job, but I also do work full-time in architecture still as well. Um, and so, I mean, it's been quite the journey because I don't have a food and beverage background. Um, I have a, more of a design technical background and I'd say it helped a lot with creating the, the brand and the structure of the company. Um, and everything else I've had to learn along the way. And I think that's okay. I think anybody coming to something new, they know something really well and they fill in the holes any way they can, um, the research exploration. But, um, I've mentioned in other interviews, there's, there's something in architecture called a party, which is like your, your guiding design principle. And you, you figure that out and you take it all the way through the project. So from the site, um, to the initial design to like everything about it, you, you weave it through. And that was kind of what I ended up doing with culture. I, I figured out the mission once I had the mission and I knew what I wanted to do with it. And I take that through all parts of it. So I, I think about that when I'm thinking about what kind of events I'm going to take on. I think about it when I'm creating messaging, whether it's for the website or for social. Um, but I, I make sure to weave what I'm doing through all parts and all touch points that people have with the company. So, um, so as to create a very cohesive brand, um, people usually get it. Uh, it doesn't take very long falling along to kind of figure out what it's about. But um, setting up the structure and figuring out the why and keeping the why at all parts was maybe through architecture, but everything else has been learning along the way. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's awesome because, I mean, I know for me, I had a fitness background that I kind of had a very similar um, pathway into like wellness and fitness, kind of the way you did, where I had more of like a Mm -hmm. finance background, but then personally Mm -hmm. became very interested in wellness and took that as kind of a redirect um, and get a lot of questions from people of, well, how did you get into wellness if that's maybe not what you studied or if that's not what you initially did, but you learn how to take the skills you have and apply it to what you're passionate about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. 
So an additional aspect of the Culture Kombucha brand is the Tiny Leaf program, which is really, really cool. Can you tell us more about the Tiny Leaf program and what it entails? Yeah, so Tiny Leaf is something that I was very proud of. In the very early stages of the company, I was looking for um, other women of color, herbalist uh, tea companies that I could use as the base tea for cultured. Um, But as I kept looking around, the smaller brands um, were very expensive. Like I, and that's okay. I don't think there's anything wrong with small brands being expensive, but I would have to pass that cost on to the end user. Um, The volumes were a little bit lower and I was like, okay, this doesn't seem like the route for me to pick one person's tea and use that as the base. And then I also would only be, you know, partnering with one person. And I also noticed that with these smaller tea companies, they also had very creative tea blends because, I mean, nothing's going to set you apart from Lipton if you're just taking black tea leaves and putting them in a bag. So the way a lot of herbalists were creating a niche for themselves were through their really creative tea blends. And so I thought, well, I guess I could make something around somebody's creative tea blend and roll it out each quarter. Um, So to date, I've had one tiny leaf partner and her flavor is actually coming out in the spring. Um, She's Ivy's Tea Co. Her name's Shanae, and she's she's awesome. She's amazing. She's so smart. She's very vibrant. I love her brand. Her teas are amazing. She ships all around. She has a trap tea box subscription, um, and her stuff is so clever and it's also delicious. And so I tried some of her teas. I started brewing gallons and trying different flavors, and she had one that was coconut vanilla, and I mixed in some pineapple with it and it just it literally tastes like an island in a bottle and she's also from an island and so it just it came together perfectly and she's been the perfect partner she's like the biggest champion for culture like we support each other (laughs) through what we created together um even it's it'll roll out in the spring and people have access to it but you know we've both shared it with our followers and everybody was so excited for the collaboration and she was a perfect person to start with i have my eye on some other herbalists as well um so looking forward to the really creative blends that can come from the really creative bases that these herbalists create yeah absolutely and i mean what i love about that is that it really just continues to foster that sense of community um and of building up, you know, other black entrepreneurs, of building up other small businesses in ways that are mutually beneficial, which is fantastic. Yeah, definitely. It was always meant to be mutually beneficial. It's that same tangential market where if some people, they love kombucha, but they don't think of buying artisanal teas or small batch tea or like, and you know, same with small batch tea. They, mm-hmm. they know tea, but they don't know kombucha. And mm-hmm. so it's like this perfect synergy to get people thinking about where and what they're buying in a few different sectors. Yeah, totally. And on the show before, I mean, I've had a lot of conversations about Black-owned businesses. I mean, especially because this platform was largely created to spotlight um, Black-owned wellness businesses and, you know, empowering women of color with relatable wellness content. It just kind of naturally comes up because that's what we Mm -hmm. share about. But I would also love to hear your thoughts on the importance of supporting and buying from Black-owned businesses and just the positive impacts that that has on our communities. Yeah, it's... um since even before starting a business, I thought it was so important. Um, I I heard the podcast with Kristen here in DC and Mm -hmm. I feel very similar to how she does. Like I've like in a consumer society, your dollar is your voice and speaking to things that matter to you are so 
important. Um, I can't buy small for everything. I can't buy black for everything because I my product would get so expensive that people wouldn't be able to. But at very crucial points where it matters, I always try to support people. Um, even in the collaborations I do, I've never asked anybody for anything for free. I mm-hmm. don't like to, I don't see the need to, but I figure out, I really try to invest in other people and they just invest back tenfold. Like I, it's just, it's amazing. Um, and I think it creates a lot of exposure for both people too. I always try to highlight partnerships and highlight people who I've worked with, who are working on things with me, um, who are supporting and it just seems to benefit everybody all around. Uh, and it's, it's amazing. It's amazing to see. It's like a snowball effect too. Um, and, you know, like, even if you can't do it all the time, doing it sometimes, telling other people about it, supporting small black businesses, it, it really makes a difference. Um, and I think people are becoming more aware of that um, in an increasingly global economy. They are figuring out the importance of buying small, local. Um, and I, I, I love that. I love that people are aware. So still a lot of ways to go. And I think um, more people figure it out every day, but it's good that it's happening. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. And I really love the point you made about investing, like when you invest in, in those people and build those relationships that kind of, we all start to invest in one another, and it does really build and grow. Yeah. Yeah. So I would love to kind of talk to you a little bit more about kombucha for a moment, Mm -hmm. kind of going off the cuff here, because I just also (laughs) personally really love kombucha. Um, and I'm, I'm curious, you know, if you've maybe seen from customers that you've had or, you know, people that you've worked with, if kombucha serves as kind of a gateway into getting them interested in more health products or getting them more interested yes. in, you know, taking care of their health and what that's looked like. Yeah, I think um, I, uh, I actually always say that I think kombucha is a gateway probiotic <laughs> um, and I, again, I love all things fermented, like Mm -hmm. everything from beer to pickles, kimchi, sauerkraut, like I love everything fermented. Um, But when people often ask me what the benefits of kombucha are, and we begin talking about probiotics, some people even know what probiotics are and they're taking it in vitamin. But one thing I like to underline for people is that our bodies recognize things in food form best. Um, So, you know, you can take a a certain vitamin or you can eat brown rice and you know they'll they'll have their different differing amounts but your body's going to recognize the brown rice more than it will the vitamin um and so i mean supplements are great but i think where people can supplement their diets with real foods live foods is is beneficial um and then i think people do start thinking more about what they're consuming and what their what their overall health might look like um well, I, I try to get people out of the mentality of thinking of quick fixes or um, so, something uh, as a one-time thing. Like, you know, they'll, they'll buy a bottle of kombucha and say, well, what is this going to do for me? And I said, well, I mean, you have to drink it regularly. You know, it's it's not a it's not surgery. It's it's a it's a food. It's a living food. You you know, you don't eat a piece of broccoli once a year and expect it to do anything. But <laughs> um, it's it's a little bit of a mindset change that people have to get used to, and I think they are. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the really cool thing about that is that, you know, probiotics and gut health and topics like that have 
become more prominent over the past couple of years. Like they're starting mm-hmm. to, to, you know, we're starting to learn about the importance of that and how important that mm-hmm. is kind of in our mainstream culture. I think for a lot of cultures out there, like it's those things are, are principles in their cultural foods or in, you know, how they eat and nourish themselves. But for us in the U.S., like it's becoming mainstream, mm-hmm. um, but it's still something that is kind of off the beaten path when we first think about getting healthier you know the first thing people may think is like exercising or cutting calories but gut health is huge and Mm -hmm. having a gateway into that to make it accessible is such a cool thing so also I would love to hear a bit more about um how you decide to name your flavors because your flavors have really fun names, uh, a lot of which, you know, we can all kind of recognize uh, from, from maybe different parts of, of pop culture. Um, mm-hmm. So I would love to hear kind of what inspired you to do that. Yeah. Um, the naming part that be- between coming up with the flavors and coming up with their names was my favorite part of the creative process. Um, I, I work in corporate now and I always miss the creative side of things. Um, so I've had a number of like creative outlets throughout the years, like uh, different Etsy shops and like different art projects. And like, I didn't expect this to be the creative outlet that it ended up being. Um, but experimenting with flavors, the different palettes and the names was, is still to date one of my favorite things. And so the names are all songs, um, plenty of 90s R&B songs, plenty of hip hop songs, but they also act in a way to make people recognize and familiar with things. Um, and, they, they, and so they either pull from like a collective memory or they have something to do with the ingredients that are in them, which I really like to highlight. I like people to understand what they're consuming and why. Um, like I used to love her was a fall flavor, common song and it was the honey cinnamon apple and that one was more of a memory one like that song the beat like everything about it it's it's kind of like it reminds me of like kind of childhood love and that flavor feels kind of like fall in love um some of them are a little more literal to what the actual ingredients are like pyt was the other fall flavor michael jackson song and it's because it was rosemary lime and rosemary has anti-aging properties um so to help you get your pretty young thing on (laughs) for the winter one we have is Bugaboo, um, <laughs> obviously, Destiny's, Destiny's Child song. And I that one is because it's pomegranate thyme. And I was looking for two ingredients to couple that were really good with um, getting rid of bugs. It's winter. Um, I'm raspy and I'm, I just got back in town. But vitamin C, like there's a ton of vitamin C and pomegranate. It's also got a lot of antioxidants. And then thyme has anti-parasitic properties. Um, so it can help clean your intestines, get rid of different worms that you have in your body. And so I wanted one that was going to couple a bunch of kind of superfood ingredients that you might not find together to get rid of your bugs. So they, they're they all different meanings for what they are. Um, and I explain them to people when they try them and when they um, get a hold of them. But there, there's something a little, a little unique about them. The other one is golden, um, and that's ginger pear turmeric. Um, Jill Scott song and turmeric is really good for getting your glow on like uh, everything anti-inflammatory. Um, it really does help you glow ginger as well. Super anti-inflammatory as well. And so I pair a lot of different things that you might not find together and they, they come out with really interesting flavors. So, so long as people have an open mind, um, they'll try it and then they usually tend to love it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love that. I mean, I am 
just the biggest like music r&b pop culture junkie and so anything that can kind of combine like wellness to that pop culture element i think is just brilliant and i'm always a huge fan of (laughs) it's very popular oh yeah totally i mean because it it does kind of take us back to either remembering a time in our lives where we loved those songs or you know maybe a memory that we had related to that and it kind of builds that association which i also think really helps with the accessibility factor mm-hmm, exactly um on your website you have a really great video there um with you mm-hmm. kind of sitting down talking more about culture kombucha and one of the things that you said in that video really really jumped out at me and i just loved immediately um where it was along the lines of if even if you're familiar with kombucha, you may not have seen someone who looks like me, you know, brewing it or creating mm-hmm. it. Um, but, you know, that's going to change because culture is here now. Um, and I just freaking loved that. Loved hearing you say that just because <laughs> like representation in wellness is just so 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 important why we have these conversations um and i just really admired you know the first thing if someone looks up your brand or looks up what you do that that's that's the first thing we hear um and so i would love to talk to you just a bit more about representation in wellness and if you had a moment that made you really decide like yes, I'm going to put myself out here in this way and what that looked like for you. Yeah. Um, there was an article I read, I believe it was in Self Magazine, um, 2017 or 18. And it was when I was doing some research for the company and it was a letter from the editor and it was titled, Wellness Has a Race Problem. And I started looking more into it because I, I knew that, I mean, inherently and anecdotally, I knew that. I knew that if I went to wellness events, I didn't see that many people who looked like me, especially depending on what the event was. Um, I knew that brewing kombucha, I didn't see anyone like me drinking it. And I was like, why is this unfolding this way? Especially kombucha is the number one fastest growing beverage in the world with North America having the largest segment. And yet whole populations of people don't know what it is. And I, I definitely thought that wellness had a race problem. And I think representation is hugely important. Like there are just things that we get told or we just maybe through our own like little subliminal thoughts think aren't for us. Um, Like some of your past guests have said, they don't think self-care is for them or wellness is for them or certain healthy things aren't for us. Sunscreen, sushi, like random things that just throughout culture you kind of don't feel are for you unless you see somebody like you doing it or drinking it or eating it and telling you, no, that's stupid. That is for us. Um, and it, it takes that like, otherwise it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't happen. And there are a lot of people who are a lot more conscious about where they're spending their dollars. So when I do find that there are black people who are drinking kombucha, they would love to support a black brand while doing that. And so, you know, I, I've heard from other business owners that they do try to keep the fact that they're a black business, um, undercover because you can get a lot of scrutiny. Um, you can have a lot of expectations from people about the way that you run your company that you may not want to. Um, but I, I thought it was important to put it out there. And I was certain I was the only one doing it commercially in a very large radius. I know I'm the only one in DC and I'm sure it's much larger than that. And I said, well, I'm just going to lean into this because I think that's really cool. Like I, I, I love seeing people's reaction when I'm in the kitchen and they say, well, what are you making? And they think that I'm making desserts or I'm baking something or 
maybe doing something juice for I say, I'm making kombucha. And then if they know what it is, their eyes light up. They say, you make kombucha? I'm like, yeah. Like, it's it's cool. Like, I I, I don't mind that. Like, I, I love shocking people with it. I love, <laughs> like, I love telling people that. And they just are like, wow. And then, like, you know, I got, like, a kind of big fro and work in art. Like, I just like being the anti what people think of people. And they say, I, I did the same with architecture. I think I might be a little bit addicted to that, like, breaking down the... <laughs> barriers like there aren't enough black women in architecture there certainly aren't any black women brewing kombucha commercially around me so I like to um you know trailblaze a little bit for some others I think that that's a great addiction to have I mean (laughs) of all things that you could be addicted to breaking down barriers (laughs) is a really really good one (laughs) Um, yeah (laughs) (laughs) but I I mean I seriously could not agree more and have had so many similar moments whether you know going to events and being like uh I'm definitely different here um to wanting to be like hey anything that I want to be for me or anything that I have a genuine interest in can be for me and you know if me showing my interest in that helps other people you know find their interest in it then that's a really really great thing absolutely so you work full-time in the corporate world you're also running this incredible business uh, basically a second full-time job (laughs) um how how do you still make time for your own wellness and what does that look like for you oh i'm getting better at it um at launch of this, I was absolutely terrible with it. I would forget to eat. I wasn't getting enough sleep. I certainly wasn't exercising. My now husband was my unspoken accountability partner because he would always ask me those things. He would, have you eaten today? Like when, or he would show up at events with food because he knows I don't, I didn't eat on event days. And I just like, you know, I was just running myself into the ground. It's so funny when you're trying to do something to help other people and you end up completely neglecting yourself, mm-hmm. um, which was definitely the case. I, I'd i be alive if I said that it wasn't still the case a little bit. I still take on a ton of stress. I still don't always balance my schedule well, but I've made exercising a much bigger part of my wellness routine. And it, it, whether I love exercising or not, but it's it's been pivotal like you you need a release especially as an entrepreneur you need a release that isn't snapping at people that isn't the bottom of a wine bottle like you you need a way to let out the anxiety that's just inherent in creating something um, especially in the early stages so exercise is one um, getting outside is one I've taken on a lot of like breathing exercises which is helpful if you can't get away like sometimes people will talk themselves out of doing that I don't have time to exercise I don't have money for a gym membership I don't have But there are these little things that you can incorporate into your day to help balance you and keep you on track. Um, Because you you will find like if you're anxious or you're tense or something, you know, your breathing changes and your your chest gets tight. And like just being aware of your breathing, um, being aware of the way certain things are affecting you um, and mitigating them are some things that I'm I'm working in because I I do still it's still a ton of time. I still can't do everything I want to um, for myself, especially while building this. But I am trying to build in habits that help overall that, you know, aren't too much to keep up that I can't make the excuse that I'm too busy. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that that is very real and very relatable for a lot of people. And I love the, the breathing exercises idea. I think 
is a really great form of self-care that as you were talking about that, I was thinking, oh, I need to be doing that because I, yeah. <laughs> um, because it, you know, our breath is so important and it's something that, you know, like you said, we don't need money to do. It's not time intensive, but can have such a big impact on how we feel. It does. Like, and it's just so funny if you think, if you just take a moment to pay attention when you are in um, any sort of a, a situation where you might have some anxiety, like the little short, shallow breaths that you're taking or like the tightness in your chest and like all of those are signals to your body. Um, and I think that those, those signals can get tied. They can tie up other signals to your brain. And so if that's how you're always feeling and breathing and acting when you're working on your business or when you're trying to do something, your, your body kind of takes on that stress around it and the business becomes a stressor. So I try to mitigate those types of things. So my body doesn't get the signals that when I'm working on the kombucha, this is a stressful environment and something's wrong. So th- those little things help. I love what you said about not wanting your body to think that the kombucha making process is stressful for you. Because I think that for a lot of people with businesses or passion projects, that's something that's easy to overlook. And that's when something that even if you really love it could make you feel burnt out by it. Yeah, absolutely. Like entrepreneur burnout is so real. And it comes from a lot of different places. Uh, although I do have the added stress of having a full-time job and feeling like a full-time entrepreneur, it does help take a little bit of the stress off of the company. Elizabeth Gilbert talked about that in her book, Big Magic. Like, It's a little mean in the early stages of your company or your side project or your creative outlet to put all the expectations on it of creating a living for you or being all that you need to eat or something. So I I, I, I may sacrifice some stress towards time, but I, I try to mitigate stress in other ways. Like I, I won't go full time with it until I'm ready. I, I don't want, you, you never want one of your passions to become something that you resent a little bit. Um, I was always afraid of that. Like, you know, people who love music and then they go into it and then the industry just changes the way they feel about it. And then they just never love music the same again. You know, I think if you're smart about it, you can keep your passion and you can love it and you can grow it in a really smart and strategic way without it ever leading to that sort of burnout or that resentment that a lot of people can get. Yeah, absolutely. And I think to piggyback off of that, it's that's when it's really good to also create your own definition of what success looks like. And, you know, for a while, maybe mm-hmm. working as a full-time entrepreneur, that is a great goal, but that doesn't necessarily have to be the end-all be-all to success. And right, I think a lot of people put that pressure on themselves. They definitely do. I think a lot of people don't feel like they've made it until what they're working on becomes their full-time job. And I, I do think that's great. I think being your own boss is great. I definitely know that I will in this lifetime, but there's a time for everything. And I think you have to listen to the seasons and you'll know when that time is. And that's not to say, I mean, people will get like paralysis by analysis and they'll overthink everything and they'll never step out there. And I do believe stepping out on faith. And I do know that when it's right, it will feel like the time, even if you're nervous, even if you're scared, but you'll be able to tell when that time is. And until then, don't rush it. Just enjoy it. Uh, Find ways to enjoy what you're doing without putting that pressure on it. Yes, absolutely. And that leads perfectly into our next question, which is my favorite question to ask in every interview. And that is, what does being a balanced black girl mean to you? Uh, To me, it is making sure to acknowledge yourself as a whole person. There's so many different layers to all of us. We're all onions. 
And if somebody doesn't think of themselves on, maybe some of the layers are stuck together. But if you keep peeling them away, there's there's a lot to you. And I think it's important to acknowledge all parts of ourself as balance. I think there are parts of ourselves that we don't like or that we wish weren't the way that they are. And so we may ignore them or deny that they exist. But I really think acknowledging all layers and levels of yourself is what creates balance. And if there are layers that you'd like to change or layers that you'd like to unpack, figure out where they came from, redirect them, you have to acknowledge them to fully reach your balance. So figuring out all your layers, all your interests, all your levels is really what balance is to me, like really figuring out yourself to the core. Mm, That's so good. I love that. That's a good mic drop. (laughs) (laughs) So Milan, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Can you please let our audience know where they can find you, where they can find Culture Kombucha and how they can keep in touch with you? Yes, across all social platforms, we are at The Cultured Kombucha. Um, So that's uh, Instagram and Facebook. Our website is theculturedkombucha.com. In D.C., we are for sale in Glen's Garden Market um, with a second location coming soon. And we do pop-ups and events that we always list on our website and through our Wellness Wednesday newsletter that you can also find in the bio of our Instagram. That's awesome. And we'll also make sure that all of that is linked in the show notes, too, so that people can subscribe and follow along while they're listening to the show. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming onto the show today. I loved talking to you, uh, loved this conversation, and we appreciate you coming on. Awesome. Thanks, Les.